Hello everyone and welcome to Hoops Weekly where we discuss the hot topics in the NBA. I am your host Yoni Golomb and today we are going to be ranking the top 10 final series of the 2010s decade. You see I want to start off with a hot topic now but as many know there aren't many any hot topics there's not much to discuss because of uh, COVID-19, and unfortunately, we have to stick to this. Fortunately, that was a happier time, and hopefully this could uh, bring up some people's moods to work on the finals. So, uh, let's get started. At the number 10 spot, I will be putting the 2000 NBA, 2018 sorry NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors beating the Cleveland Cavaliers for nothing. Let's begin by knowing that... No one expected the Cavs to even reach this point, especially playing the Raptors in the semifinals, Celtics in the conference finals, although the Celtics were young and didn't have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. After those first two games, they looked like they were capable of beating that Cavs team. I think that me, like personally, I didn't want to see the Cavs in that finals for that year. I thought it would be boring, but it is what it is. You know, LeBron James was LeBron James and averaged 35 points throughout the playoffs to get his team there. Um, and, uh, I think that series didn't have a lot of potential and was better than I thought, but again, it was a sweep, so we have to put it there. Game one was terrific. LeBron puts up 51 points. Um, you know, game was close the whole time. I thought the Cavs would run away with it. Again, everyone remembers George Hill, um, giving two free throws, making the first one, missing the second one, despite being an 80% free throw shooter. Um, and then J.R. Smith pulling off one of the dumbest plays in NBA history. Takes the ball and runs with it to the half-court line. I swear, if this guy didn't get smacked by LeBron James after the game, I don't know what the team would have done with him. Like, that that was arguably one of the dumbest moments in sports history. And it costed them the series. Um, it ruined their whole momentum. They were emotional. They were broken. They just didn't have the confidence. LeBron felt like he couldn't. He had to do everything by himself. That basically ended the whole series for them, especially after game one. Moving on to number nine, we have 2014, with this, which is the San Antonio Spurs beating the Miami Heat in five games. This was not a fun series to watch, especially as a person that wanted the Heat to win. I was a fan of LeBron James, Ray Allen at the time. Um, You know, me being a little kid and all. That series was very, very disappointing. The first two games were promising in San Antonio. They went back and forth. But the Spurs blew the heat out at home, something that no one would have expected. They shot like 70% from the field, both games 3 and 4, and beat the heat by by at least 19. They obliterated them, and many people thought that the heat would come away at home and pull off the uh, pull off the W, especially having LeBron James in their arsenal. But Kawhi Leonard, that's where he emerged as one of the best defensive players in the league. That's why he won that Finals MVP because he limited LeBron and he got the job done and he scored. And that's when Kawhi Leonard started developing into an All Star and then be a player that we know today. I think um, 2014 and 2018 are the two final series that I could legitimately call bad. And, um, other than that, many, all the rest of the final series were interesting. They were fun to watch. So, you know, it just gets better from here. That's, that's what I'm saying. At the number eight spot, we have the 2017 NBA Finals, which is the Golden State Warriors beating the Cleveland Cavaliers in five games. 
I can't rank a final series that ended in five games extremely high because it wasn't that long. It wasn't as thrilling. But the story behind this finals was huge. The Cavs were coming in with a super team of their own. LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, of course, having a pretty bad bench. But they obviously got the job done. Kyrie was having his best season of his career. But Kevin Durant making the finals and coming in with the probability of winning, especially with the team that he did and with the hatred that he got that season, a lot of emotion was being put towards that series. A lot of people didn't want the Warriors to win. It was very obvious they would be. I thought that this series would end in six games. Um, but after seeing games one and two, um, you just see that the Warriors just have a lot more left in the tank than the Cavs. Uh, the, the game was relatively close until the third quarter, and that's when the Warriors just blew it all apart. They'd outscore the Cavs by 10, 15 points. Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry would each score 30 points a game. It was just like there was nothing the Cavs could do about it at that point. And um, obviously it sucks for the team, but... It is what it is. The Warriors were just a much stronger team at the time. It got the NBA. It took the NBA by storm. No one expected Kevin Durant to go to the Warriors, especially after seeing the Thunder almost beat them. That was very disappointing as well because I really wanted the Thunder to beat the Warriors. I don't think anyone liked them because they were the enemy to everyone because they were the best team in NBA history. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The series was okay. Game three was one for the history books. It went back and forth. Kevin Durant scores a game winner on LeBron James with 45 seconds left. That was what really lifted this game um, over the San Antonio Spurs series, um, especially having more superstardom to it as well. But I couldn't have taken it much far uh, that far. Four out of the five games were blowouts. Um, the Cavs blew the Warriors out by um, 20 points in game four. So... Um, you can't really rank this series um, incredibly high. So now with the number 7 spot, we have 2019 NBA Finals. The Raptors beating the Golden State Warriors in 6 games. Yeah, my own hometown Toronto Raptors. I'm ranking them at 7th. I have to. The series, this was a good series when you're looking at it games-wise. Game 2 was incredibly close, right? Um, games 5 and 6 were thrillers. Those were terrific games. But what really was taken away from the series uh, is that is the injuries. Kevin Durant being gone for five out of the six games, playing uh, one quarter and then getting injured. Um, Clay Thompson not playing in game three, um, getting injured in game six, um, having to leave early in game two as well. It, it just, it kind of takes away the fun and the superstardom that comes from an NBA final team. The Raptors were full of it. Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the NBA. And he had a great supporting cast as well. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, they all played the rules. But I think the fact that Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson didn't play each of them for at least half the series, it, it really hurt. And you could see that by the viewership of the finals as well. Um, you know, this being uh, uh, one out of the two finals this decade that LeBron James didn't take part of. You know, people would have not wanted to watch this series when it came to just Raptors fans and Warriors fans. What I'm saying is, like, if you're a Raptors fan from Toronto, every game was amazing for you. If you're a fan of Golden State, again, games were entertaining. But if you're a fan outside of that, think about it Think about it like this. Game 3, no Klay Thompson, no Kevin Durant, okay? Stephen Curry obviously went off for 47 points, but it was still a blowout. Game 4 had potential, 
And the Warriors started off strong, but the Raptors ended up beating them by 13 points, 105-92. Kawhi Leonard went off. But fans don't want to see blowouts in the finals. Fans that aren't centralized around those teams. And that's why I think those three, those two games in Oakland, game three isn't four, is that, that's what put this series at the number seven spot and didn't make it higher. Because they weren't just blowouts, but the team was missing players. It was missing all-stars. And that is less entertaining for the fans at the end of the day. And that's why at the number six spot, I have the 2012 NBA Finals being the Miami Heat beating the Oklahoma City Thunder 4-1. This series had so much hype coming into it. Kevin Durant was emerging as one of the league's best players at the time. Definitely the best scorer in the league. He's surpassed Kobe. Um, The Thunder have a great cast. Russell Westbrook was an all-star for the second straight year. James Harden was a sixth man of the year. Okay, yeah, Serge Ibaka was a defensive god. The guy would average three blocks a game. Um, and obviously the Heat come in with a lot of hopes after last season, disappointing loss to the Mavericks. LeBron's in his prime. Dwayne Wade, out just out of his prime. Same with um, Chris Bosh. But again, great supporting cast. Mario Chalmers, Udonis Haslam. Um, Shane Battier, Mike Miller, people that put in the work. After seeing Game 1, especially as a Heat fan at the time as a little kid, I got kind of scared. The Thunder put on an offensive show, and the Heat just couldn't get, get it done um, in Oklahoma City. But Game 2 is what really turned the series around in the Heat's favor. LeBron James goes off and has an historical performance um, against the Thunder. The Heat beat the Thunder in, in uh, well... Really mind rattling game. That was a very interesting game to watch because if that game went to the Thunder and the Thunder went up 2 nothing coming into Miami, who knows what it would have done. I think the Thunder could have taken a sweep, maybe five games. Because coming into your home down 2 nothing is not just a lot of pressure. It's just a lot of emotion taking a toll on you. And you are just focused on having to lead your team to win at home. You don't want to disappoint your fans. And you're not coming in to like save territory. It's not 1-1. You're not up 2-0. You lose one more game and you're out. No one's ever come back from a 3-0 series and won. So a lot of pressure was coming into that. And the Heat were able to take care of business. And that rattled the Thunder because they were young and they didn't have experience. LeBron James has been to the finals three years now in his career. 2007, 11, and now 2012. Dwayne Wade, he won a championship with Shaq. He had a terrific mentor. He were ready, and they took it at home. The games were awfully close. They could have gone either way, uh, but the Heat, obviously, their experience and their shooting, having Mike Miller and Shane Battier, is kind of what set them apart from the Thunder. Um, game 5, I think, as a Thunder fan, was extremely disappointing. Because seeing four games in this series being as close as they were, and the Heat running away with a Game 5... Leading by 20 points for most of the game, I just find surprising. I mean, you could obviously see that the Thunder were too young to beat the Heat, not mature enough, and that's coming from Kevin Durant, you know? Um, Everyone thought he was the most mature player in the NBA by his rookie season. This guy didn't say a word, never got a technical until he was like 25. So it was just, I think that game is what really puts this series behind the number five spot because 
Obviously, as a Heat fan, seeing them put on an offensive show in the second half was exactly what you want. You want to secure a championship. But for a fan, for every other team, it just hurts so much to watch that game. Because essentially, you just get bored. And you never want to turn off a finals game in the third quarter. And I know most people most people did. If you aren't a real fan of basketball, you turned off that game knowing that the Heat won that game. In peace. LeBron got his first ring, which is a terrific story. Um, Dwayne Wade obviously got a second. Chris Bosh gets a ring. But how valuable is that NBA Finals to fans? I mean, that's a pretty forgotten NBA Finals. No one really talks about it. No one talks about that Kevin Durant-LeBron James matchup anymore. And um, I think it deserves more praise because the games were awfully close until Game 5. But, like... We have to be realistic here. A series that ended in five games cannot get into the top five at the end of the day. So now, into the top five. We have the 2011 NBA Finals. The Dallas Mavericks beating the Miami Heat in six games. No one expected Dallas to even make it to the finals. Um, especially against the Lakers. Kobe Bryant was playing terrific basketball until that point, and Something just broke down with the Los Angeles Lakers. Coaching staff, the team... The Mavericks just obliterated them offensively. This wasn't anything to do with their defense. The Mavericks were never a defensive-minded team. They destroyed them. And if you want a good example of that, you could look at the Game 4 highlights when the Mavericks put up, like, 23s. Peja Stojakovic and Jason Terry each had, like, 7 apiece. Um, that series really solidified that for them. And meeting with the Thunder in 2011 was a terrific matchup for them. Not, that not being the Spurs, really. They got really lucky because the Spurs lost in the first round to the Grizzlies. Again, a huge shock in playoff history. But they had an easy route and they beat the Thunder in five in the conference finals because they were just, they were not ready. The Thunder in 2010 were an eighth seed. They lost to the Lakers, right? They, they weren't ready. Kevin Durant just emerged as a great scorer, okay? He's not really known for anything else. He's a great scorer. That's it. Westbrook is just emerging as a minor all-star player. He made the team, but, I mean, how effective was he? His shooting wasn't great. He wasn't as strong. James Harden um, is a second-year player who barely has developed his offensive game. So the Thunder is just picking it up, right? They're young. They don't have a lot of experience. Again, they're not ready. And the Mavericks took that. The Mavericks were a very experienced team. Jason Terry's been playing since 98. Dirk Nowitzki as well. Um, Paige Stokovic, early, early 2000s, same with Tyson Chandler. I mean, he was ready. And I think what really led them past the Miami Heat in that final series was the fact that they came in hungrier than them. The Heat, and everyone was talking about the Mavericks losing, that they can't do it. I thought it too. I mean, the team with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade in their prime, especially Paul George, who was, sorry, Paul George, Chris Bosh, who was, uh, um... An all-star power forward at the time, top five in the league. Um, and everyone thought this was a really good matchup for the Heat. But the Heat came in as a non-mature team that came in cocky. They didn't really know who the leader was. Dwayne Wade wanted to lead. LeBron wanted to lead. Obviously, he should have let LeBron lead. Everyone knows that. Um, But it's just very odd because no one really expected the Mavericks to win, especially in six games. They completely took over in games 5 and 6. Games 1 to 4 were extremely close. And again, games 2 comes in. Game 2 comes in as an extremely monumental game. 
Heat have a huge lead. They're up one nothing in the series. Dirk Nowitzki just completely takes over the game. Mavericks make a huge fourth quarter comeback, end up winning the game by two, and this breaks the Heat. And although the Heat won game three, they were not mentally prepared for what Dallas was throwing at them offensively. And that t- that game broke them because you see, if the Heat won that game two, they would have gone up 3 nothing by game three. And then the series would have been over. And that's how you have to look beyond that. And look at the games and look at the momentum that they had coming in coming into each game. And I think after game two, their cockiness was just broken. They didn't know what to do. No one expected the Mavericks to come in and and challenge the Heat. People said the series was gonna end five or six games to the Heat's favor. People said what they did to the Lakers was all luck. But they came in hungry and they showed that you don't make fun of our team. We're a fighting team. We're not lucky that we got here. Dirk Nowitzki is an all-time power forward. Jason Terry's a great leader. And they showed that. And they dominated the Heat. And as a six-year-old Heat fan at the time, I was crying in the bathroom after that game. Because I didn't understand anything about basketball. So yeah. But this game, this series surely deserves a top five. Um, Yeah, that's where we're going to end it there. And at the number four spot, we have the 2015 NBA Finals. Golden State Warriors beating the Cleveland Cavaliers in sixth game. This was such a fun time. The Warriors were not seen as the enemy of the league because they just emerged as a good team. Everyone loved Steph Curry. Sneaker line was doing amazing. LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love just teamed up together. We could say that Kelly Olynyk ruined their season, but I'm not going to. You see, in like in game three or four of the 2015 first round against the Celtics, Kelly Olynyk and Kevin Love were chasing a loose ball. And Kelly Olynyk decides that it's a good idea to pull on Kevin Love's arm really, really hard. And Kevin Love's shoulder got like dislocated. I think he like broke his rotator cuff. I don't really understand where all the bones are, obviously, but it was a very major shoulder injury. He was done for the rest of the playoffs. Their star power forward, people forget, came off a 24 and 13 season with the Timberwolves in 2014. And he would have been a huge X-factor for them. He was out. And that changed a lot for the Cavs. Against the Bulls, um, in the semifinals, Kyrie Irving got injured. And he was not well. Comes back in the finals in Game 1 in overtime and breaks his kneecap. And now LeBron has to lead this team on his own. And that's what makes this series such a good series. LeBron was at his best. I've never seen a better version of LeBron James in my life. People could argue it was 2016, it was 2015, because you see, when that season was on the line, their team was awful. They were terrible. His second best player on the team was J.R. Smith. But LeBron went and took over that series. He averaged 35 points a game. He averaged 13, 12, 13 rebounds. He averaged like 8 assists a game. He was taking over. Everyone thought the Warriors were going to blow this thing wide open. A 67-15 and 15 team? They're going to sweep this Cavs team. Oh no. LeBron comes into game two, game two. Shocks the Warriors in overtime. You have two overtime games already. That shows how interesting this series could have gone. Games three and four were split. They weren't as close. Okay, Both teams ran away with 10-point leads at the end of the game. But games five and six is when it really started to pick up. Steph Curry put on a show in Game 5. Um, Completely ran away with the game in the fourth quarter, but it was entertaining. 
as hell as heck. Um, game six in Cleveland, a lot of energy going into that game. Again, Warriors ran away with it at the end in the fourth quarter. But that was a good series, and that showed you how good LeBron James could be as a player in the NBA. I think a lot of people gained respect for LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers coaching staff and the Cavaliers team. No one thought Matthew Delvadova was going to march in and play that defense that he played on Steph Curry at the time. No one thought that Timothy Mozgov and Tristan Thompson are going to show up offensively and defensively at the time. But they fought. And yes, the Cavs lost in six games. But that was a hell of a series. Terrific play by both teams. The Warriors were going to win this. But the Cavs fought. And the Cavs made the games close and entertaining. And you got to have LeBron James to thank for that. And Matthew Delvadova, my boy. But yeah, that series did not disappoint. And now, we have the number three spot, the 2010 NBA Finals, the Los Angeles Lakers against the Boston Celtics, where the Lakers beat the Celtics in seven games. What a terrific series. This really brought us back to Boston Lakers time. You know, I think it it looks like Every 20 years, you have like a repeat of their rivalry. You had one in the 60s, you had one in the 80s, and you had one in the 2000s. So, you know, 2020s, it's surely looking like it. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Boston's have, have a terrific team. Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Just remember that Jason Tatum is like 22 years old now. Jalen Brown, 23. They have so much time. Jason Tatum's eventually going to be a top three player in the NBA. This is going to be a fun decade, I think, for the first half of it, because obviously LeBron's going to retire, and that's going to be extremely sad, but it's going to happen in the next five years, so brace yourselves. Um, Got to appreciate him for what he's got, but let's talk a bit about the final series. You couldn't have asked for a closer series and a more superstar-filled series than this one. The Celtics, prime Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, not in his prime, but Again, still a terrific offensive powerhouse. Paul Pierce, combination, amazing offensive combinations. Kevin Garnett, intensity. He was the best player on that team. Okay, people may argue it was Paul Pierce. It was Kevin Garnett still, and he was still he was at the age of like thirty five in that series. Lakers, Kobe Bryant, and his hunger to win a second ring in a row, and prove the doubters wrong. Anyone that said he can't win with Shaq. And Pau Gasol, Pau Gasol, a shocking addition, traded for his brother, by the way, that came in huge and was the piece that Kobe Bryant needed. And people may say he needed Shaq, he needed Shaq. He just needed a viable big man. Someone that could put up like 15 and 10 a game, show up consistently, and that's exactly what he did. They had Lamar Odom. That was a terrific basketball series. And it ended perfectly. Game 7 went down to the wire. Ugly, disgusting offensive game. And what really sealed it off was that Ron Artest 3 to put the Lakers up 6. That was huge. That was huge. And I think many fans can remember that series. I can't personally because I was 5 years old. But it was a terrific, terrific basketball series. Looking back at the highlights, kind of wishing that I was there. Seeing Kobe in his prime, 
as the best player in the NBA at the time. And seeing him win that fifth ring, that was just that was just an amazing story. Again, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Anyone that lived in the helicopter crash. I can't believe that that was two months ago. That was crazy. That is how time flies. Um, but yeah, we just can't take these things for granted at the end, at the end of the day. And, um, he put on a show and that last finals was his last stop off. I believe that that Lakers team could have won in 2011. They should have beat the Mavericks, but that's a different story. They broke down obviously. And I think that's when Kobe Bryant's career kind of started reaching a decline. He was getting older, obviously. Um, but yeah, very fun series to watch. Not as good offensively, but Again, they say defense with championship. I rem- I miss those times where games would end in 80, 90 points. And they would give you pizza if the team reached 100 points. Like, it was an achievement. Every team averages at least 105 now. The Raptors are averaging 115 points. And their whole pizza thing was like, what, like four or five years ago? That's crazy. I don't like the NBA now. <laughs> it's just so much offense. Even the All-Star games are boring. Lately, they haven't been. I think what they did this year was amazing. Um, but, again, that's a story for a different time. Maybe we'll do an all-star segment in the future. But, yeah, all I'm saying is times have changed. And I think uh, that Lakers-Boston series was the last uh, kind of hint of, like, 2000, 90s, 2000s basketball. The offensive game was just developing to another level at this point. Um, and, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a terrific NBA Finals. But the story... What's, what was missing from that finals was the story. We've seen Kobe win a championship in 2009. Prove to everyone that he's better without... He could do it without Shaq. We saw that Boston team beat the Lakers. Obliterate them in Game 6, by the way. 131-92 to 92 in 2008. So both of these teams have proved something. This series was just a rematch. But we've seen all these in the regular season. There was no like hatred between the players. It was just a team rivalry that's been lasting for so long. But these next two series, they've had stories behind them. They've had bigger rivalries and bigger things to prove. And that's why they rank ahead. At the new sp- at the number two spot, most people have this at number one. I'm sorry. It's the 2016 NBA Finals. Cleveland Cavaliers come back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the Golden State Warriors in seven games. That was one of the weirdest series in the finals that I've seen as of late, the Cavs weren't supposed to win this series. Anyone that thinks they were is wrong. They were not supposed to win that series. Curry was coming off the best season of his career, one of the best offensive seasons of all time. Klay Thompson was developing into a superstar. Draymond Green was the best defensive player in the league and could stop LeBron James. I don't know what happened to that Golden State Warriors team, but that was a series that was supposed to end in five or six games in the Warriors' favor. I'm telling you now. They broke down. So after game two, they win both games by 15 plus points. They have that series in the bag. But, you know what? I'm happy the Cavs came back because that gave me, a fan of neither team, a more entertaining finals to watch. And that was an entertaining finals. To see all that emotion pour out of that Cavs team. You know, all that hunger pull out of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Seeing him say that famous quote in the locker room that, like, they're broken. I'm not going to swear, because he swore, but he was he was saying, they're broken, they can't, they're mentally broken, they can't do anything now. 
we got it. And um, I think that's huge. That was huge, and I think that really solidified that series. Game 5 was terrific. LeBron and Kyrie each scored 41 points. Game 6, LeBron, James, and Kyrie each go back and forth. Everyone remembers that iconic alley-oop. LeBron falls on the floor, but gives it to Kyrie, barely catches the ball in midair, still slams it home. And Game 7, one of the most iconic finals games in NBA history. A defensive-minded game. Terrific, just how I like it. Kyrie, first off, LeBron making that terrific block block at the end of the game after going back and forth, not scoring for three minutes straight, and Irving finally sealing the bucket with 50 seconds left, making that three over Curry. LeBron almost raking his hand. People forget that, that LeBron really screwed up his hand that series at the end when he went for that dunk. That was a terrific way to end up a final series, and that is why they go in at the number two spot. But at number one, all you guys can know this, it's the 2013 NBA Finals. The Miami Heat beat the San Antonio Spurs 4-3. One of the most iconic final series in NBA history. San Antonio in Game 1 going back and forth with the Heat. Tony Parker making that incredible off-balance shot over LeBron. Just going back and forth. That thing hit the rim and bounced off the backboard like six times. Game two, LeBron blocking the hell out of Thiago Splitter. Yeah, people remember that. That was huge. Game three, that was that was scary for the Heat fans at the time. Danny Green goes off. Remember, he had an iconic series. He made like a finals record at the time for threes made past Ray Allen. Playing against Ray Allen, by the way. Spurs beat the Heat by like 30 points. They completely destroyed them offensively. They kind of remind me of the Mavericks because they weren't a very defensive-minded team at the time. Mind you, Kawhi Leonard was a second-year player. No one really thought of him as a defensive threat. Game 4, he come back in San Antonio, beat them by 10-plus points, kind of get the series back on their way. Game 5, Manu Ginobili, iconic game at 20-plus points, makes that incredible fadeaway over LeBron to seal the deal for the Spurs. And then one of the, the greatest finals game in the history of the NBA, Game 7. Sorry, oh my god. Game 6, back and forth, Spurs up 10 coming into the 4th quarter, 75-65. Heat fans have lost all hope, but the Heat come back, and LeBron goes off, gets his headband knocked off of him, but it's okay. Then, all of a sudden, when all is right for the Heat, they're up like 89-84, Spurs go on a 10-0 run, led by Tony Parker. And now the Spurs are up 5, with 28 seconds left. LeBron makes a miraculous 3. To make it two-point game. And they get lucky. Kawhi Leonard was not an established free throw shooter at the time. And he was nervous as hell. People could see. He missed that second free throw. LeBron. It's 95-92. LeBron goes up the floor. Puts up a dumb three. Okay. It was a pretty stupid three. They could have gotten a better shot. There were 11 seconds left on the floor. Every, obviously he was anxious. He is so lucky that they subbed Tim Duncan off the game. I swear. I don't know what the Spurs were doing. He had 30 points. 25 in the first half. And Pop just doesn't play him. Chris Bosh gets the rebound over Danny Green, passes it, or Boris Diaw, sorry, passes it to Ray Allen, waiting in the corner for three, takes a quick step back, Parker's running on him, fade away, 5.2 seconds remaining, swish, 95-95, what the, first off, the clutchest shot in NBA history, 
people don't understand. Some people don't understand. This saved LeBron James' career, his legacy. Spurs would have won the finals if he missed. He go into overtime, back and forth, defensive, huge. Scores 103-100, two seconds left on the clock, 1.9 to be exact. Tim Duncan passes it cross court to Danny Green. He shoots a fadeaway three. Chris Bosh just goes straight at him with a terrific block. Spurs fans tries to argue it. Spurs bench and the fans tried to argue that it was a foul. If you look at the play, that was all ball. Chris Bosh is 6'11. Danny Green is 6'6. That's why it might have looked like a foul. But that was just a terrific shot blocked. And that saved the Heat as well. Underrated moment. People don't talk about that enough. Great game seven. Spurs were broken. They were absolutely broken. There was no way that they were coming into that game and beating the Heat. And as close as it was, it just felt like the Heat just kept running away with it every single time. Even though it was a two, four-point game and, you know, the Spurs were making their shots, it just felt like the Heat just had it the whole game. And what really solidified it, 90-88, to Tim Duncan has a post shot on Shane Battier. Huge disadvantage. He should have made that. Misses it, misses the tip, and you could see that. That's when he knew that it was over. LeBron sizes up Kawhi Leonard, makes a shot with 28 seconds remaining, 92-88. And at that point, it's just over. The Spurs lost all momentum. It's a a two-possession game. Yeah. What a terrific series. And that caps off the decade. That was a great decade. Hopefully 2020 and the 2020s can bring us a great decade once the coronavirus ends or slows down and we can bring sports back. Um, Again, this was Hoops Weekly with uh, Yoni Golomb. We are posting every Saturday or Sunday on weekends, so stay tuned and stay safe.